I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to the Dr. Supercoach podcast, powered by Code. You're on once again with Chizo. Round one is in the rearview mirror for 2020, and with me this evening, I have the highest-ranked podcaster for 2022, Pistol. That's got to make you feel pretty good. It's been a while. <laughs> uh, I'm looking forward to holding that title for the whole season, Chizo. Uh, that's for sure. But yeah, look, it was an uh, interesting first week, so I'm excited to talk about with you. Um, I'm just going to th- talk about myself as I usually do. Um, <laughs> 2281 for me to start the season. It was an interesting week in that I didn't, I wasn't really disappointed by anyone in my side. Um, I mean, obviously I had like the crisp and the Whitfield that other people had as well, but um, I have no like red flags, no injuries. All the rookies seem to score quite well. The mid prices literally all scored well. So there's no... There's no panic button being pushed. I'm pretty calm and relaxed and know that I can just take my same side into the next week and get another set of data and then be able to make better judgment calls after that. So, yeah, pretty pretty happy um, sitting here, even though obviously, you know, 25K overall doesn't scream exciting. But that's the best start, Chizo, that I've had since 2018. Yeah, that 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 just goes to show how pathetic your starting squads actually are. And <laughs> speaking of pathetic starting squads, Chizo's champs DRSC has not started twenty twenty two all that well. Um, the way I like to think about it, Pistol, is that I've climbed the mountain and now it's time for a customary Chizo chase down that we're all familiar with. Um, twenty one fifty three to start twenty twenty two. I'm not necessarily um, disappointed 
in in terms of uh, what my side produced. I think because I stuck with a uh, a more guns and rookies side, its ceiling was certainly capped, and I'm I'm sort of playing for the. Uh, um, the cash generation, uh, etc., that we usually go. So I've gone a little bit different to uh, a lot of um, coaches, particularly in the top end pistol that are, are pretty mid-priced heavy. Um, I, like you, I don't really have any massive issues that I need to fix uh, at this point in time. But uh, without those mid-prices, basically all firing in week one, I was certainly hampered with my um, my scoring output. But you know, if we compare it to to uh, last year where I finished quite well, I only scored 1,900 almost on the dot in the first week. Um, so I'm, wow. I'm, 200, I'm 250 points ahead of that this year and I'm I'm out at 68K. So it just goes to show that um, it, it is certainly quite different from year to year. And I think between you and me, we don't actually have that much of a, uh, a different side, a few premiums swapped in and out and uh, a few less mid-prices. But um, the, the, the rank difference is just incredible. Nearly, nearly 50,000 in, in, in terms of rank. It's all tightly bunched. You seriously could, if you have, you know, another solid week, you end up going like straight into the top 5K just because there'll yeah. be so many switches up in the, you know, the people that did really well with the Crips and the Hewitts and the Lipinskis, they might not go as well the next week. I mean, maybe they do, but, um, you know, if they don't, then the whole leaderboard just gets like massively shifted and swapped around. Yeah. So. It's it rank is meaningless really at this point in time. It's just you got to see if there's any red flags in your sides, um, or if there's no red flags, you just hold and get another week's of data. But I guess Chizo, um probably there's some housekeeping to do before we get into what constitutes a red flag or not. Yeah, so uh, mate, you might as well take us through some cancer council do- uh, donations. We've had a uh, a few in the uh, the last few days to start the year. There's been a, a few a, a few impacted by uh, Darcy out and a few captaincy loophole mistakes already. There has been a couple of exciting things. Um, firstly, to Luke Bexley, a donation from Crazy Chef for winning the toilet bowl in the NFL league. So thank you. <laughs> I assume that's. I actually have no idea what that is. Yeah, that's a, it's <laughs> stumped. Are coming last or coming first? I can't tell. Um, I assume coming last is donated to the Cancer Council, so thank you very much. <laughs> uh, to Supercoach IQ for his $100 donation, um, says congratulations on the number one Supercoach podcast 2022. So thanks to everyone that voted in his poll and uh, for him for stumping up the $100 to the Cancer Council. Much appreciated. Um, Mark uh, Peters says, love your work, and we love your work, Mark, so thank you very much for your donation. Uh, Pep has donated for a Doherty goal, Um, so, you know, that's obviously wonderful, getting behind Doherty's great return to footy. Um, Adam Schneider has donated, I'm going to go through this story, he's donated $250 here. Oh, uh, my building God. Building the Dirty Shinters Ward. Now, the reason behind this, at three-quarter time, he said, if Carlton win, I will donate $10 for every point Carlton win by. <laughs> <laughs> Carlton it put on... Think, it really didn't think that through. An all-time performance for them uh, to win, smash them, and he's he's paid up big time. So we definitely appreciate the donation, massive donation. <laughs> One of our biggest ones ever. Uh, Professor Booby Pants straight in. He says, you rip a doc to donation for Doherty, which is appreciated. Jason Lee has said, up the baggers, 1-0 for Doherty. Another nice donation. So thanks to Doherty, he's, he's, he's 
Given the Cancer Council heaps of money here. Raising money uh, Baloo has donated. Once again, Sam Doherty goal. What a comeback from where he's been. Unbelievable. Uh, Butler, 10% of the dirty schnitzers donation just because of the game day joy and because he backed it up immediately with going through with such a large donation. So thank you for Butler. So again, um, you know, another big donation is rewarded by a smaller donation, but still obviously all very generous. And Tristan Webster, he says, to quote Paul Kelly, I've done all the dumb things. Forgot to set the emergency, the VC and the C after finalizing my starting squad. <laughs> Fortunately, McRae was auto C and he started strongly with a 133 and it rhymed. Hey, hey, that, that you know what? That's forgivable when you're in a, a different time zone, I think. I don't know if it is forgivable, to be honest. You have, you have a long time to set your emergencies and VCs and Cs. <laughs> I was trying to bait you into roasting one of your own. No, no. I love Tristan, but he's done the wrong thing here. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that, I think that total actually brings us over the $17,000 mark uh, that we've raised for the Cancer Council. So we're going to have to reset that gold pistol. It's still yep. set at 15K. No, we'll aim for uh, 20K so, this year. Yeah, thanks to everyone that has donated. Um, pistol, uh, we're getting a few questions, uh, particularly in the Slack, uh, about last coach standing in, uh, in 2022. I fell one short last year. Uh, do you have any idea when we're going to be starting that? Yeah, the last man standing, it's either going to be created, it was going to try to be created this week um, or potentially next week, but keep your eye on our Patreon for the link code to our last man standing competition. So for those that don't know, it is our Patreon competition where you enter and you have to pass a certain score every round to survive and the percentage coaches who fail to reach the pass mark get culled and every week the amount of coaches that are left in the group get smaller and smaller and smaller until there is a a showdown at the end and the the last couple go head to head and high score wins so yeah we provided heaps of fun um last season so really looking forward to doing the last man standing competition again yeah, that, so look. Most likely, uh, round three, we're going to be looking to to start that off. By the sounds of things, most likely. Well, it, either yeah. way, it will, it will be. Uh, you'll be able to join for the first couple of weeks uh, as long as you um, passed the previous entry scores for the rounds. So there's no super stress, but we will be yeah on on top of it this week. Yeah. Okay, uh, and now we do also have uh, another bunch of patrons that have signed up over at patreon.com forward slash Dr. Supercoach that deserve a shout out for becoming a patron. We've got Tim Chief, Callum, Cebu, Bo44, Sloth, Lockie, Rich, Jared Sexton, Troy Powell, Liam O'Neill, Simon, just Simon, uh, Adrian, uh, Aiden Davitt, Marcus Villeneuve, <laughs> Pistol. Uh, Dominic Vogels, Wayne Huggett, Luke, just Luke, Brett Hammerston, Anthony. Oh God! Good luck. I'm glad. I'm glad I'm not JB. Balvanios. I'm going to go with God. Uh, nice. That's great though. Balvanios. Uh, we've got just Catherine Swagger, Rick Munn, Luke. Uh, sorry, Wayne Ellery, uh, Bo Dada, Al D, Aldi. Uh, Gallows, <laughs> Jacob <laughs> Petrilli, uh, Tom O'Connor, Damo Kelly, Jacob Caluzzi, Brian Leonard, Aaron Hocking, Jacob, Rick McMahon, Luke, uh, sorry, <laughs> why is Luke always the one that I go to when my, my brain freezes? That's Josh right. Purdy, Braden Engel, England Baker, Thomas Smith, Ben Bevan, Logan Costa, just Nick, 
Just Zach, Glenn Thompson, Ben Ford, Just Brody, DRSC Levitsky, uh, Juice, <laughs> uh, Jamie, Sam McCarthy, Riley S, Just Stefan, actually Just Stefan, uh, Christian Adrianopoulos, Tim F, uh, Nisco, Alex Wiley, Peter Bull, David Alpen, um, Adam Thompson, Just Tubby, Andy H, James Seymour, Just Kyle, Benny Cavey, Turtles Terriers, Dil- Dilvin, uh, Daniel Wallace, Donk the Donkey, uh, Ziggy Stardust, Tandy Lee, Christian O'Hallahan, Halloran, uh, Jimmy Jam, Brendan B, Tristan White, Noah Smith, and Top Dog. Thank you for everyone that listened to me butcher that absolutely, and I'm so glad that I'm not JB having to pay money to the Cancer Council for getting names wrong there. Uh, appreciate that everyone has signed up and bringing uh, our total up to nearly 800 patrons, Pistol, which is just incredible, all the support that we're receiving this year. I believe JB said specifically, he saw that there were 72 names, and he said, you know what, this is going to cost me too much if I, if I butcher <laughs> these names and sat out this. It wasn't, it wasn't that he's still struggling with COVID, it was totally this. <laughs> yeah. And the last bit of housekeeping, Pistol, is that we do want to uh, thank Manscaped for sponsoring the Dr. Supercoach podcast again in 2022. We obviously know that the performance package 4.0 includes the Lawnmower 4.0, the Crop Preserver, Crop Reviver, as well as a bunch of free gifts. And uh, I don't know about you, Pistol, but I get a lot of use out of the free gifts that we uh, have been sent over the, uh, the time that we've been sponsored. But it's also important to be looking after the rest of your body. Pistol, you know, we've looked after the Sheridans. And now it's the rest of the body we need to start taking care of, guys. This is a, a movement that we're trying to get you to be, you know, hygienic all over your body now. Okay. Yep. Um, and that's the Ultra Premium Collection Pistol. You know, from trimming your Sharons every day to getting a hygiene routine, Manscaped is there after playing four quarters, hit the showers with the all-in-one hair and skin kit that covers you from head to toe, quite literally. Now, we know Manscaped is trusted below the waist, but you know you can trust them with the rest. And there's four million men worldwide, Pistol, that uh, trust Manscaped. And using code DRSC, Pistol will get you 20% off and free shipping if you go to manscaped.com. And you can help support the sponsors that support us do what we do. All right, Pistol, let's jump into some Supercoach news. Um, I, I think we should start with some general advice. I'm seeing some absolutely uh, crazy talk through um, our followers and a bit on Twitter and stuff like that about which premiums that we need to be correcting after round one. What are your initial thoughts on people that are you know, kind of having a little bit of a reaction to uh, what happened in round one? Oh, my God. Like, I understand that it's round one, we have all this new information and you want to go crazy, but everyone just needs to take a little bit of a chill pill. Everyone just needs to settle down. We've had one week of data. Literally the opposite of everything that just happened could happen in the next week. And then then what do you do? You don't want to make a mistake. You don't want to... The problem is people sometimes will have a do a mistake and then they'll do an early trade without getting extra information and they'll double down into another mistake. And then instead of like using a trade to fix your team. You make your team actively worse. Um, and we see it happen all the time. I mean, any trade you make and bring in the player this week could also get injured. It could be a rookie. I mean, unfortunately, it's happened to me before. I've gone early after one week on a rookie and they've been injured in the second game or they've just put in such a poor performance. They've been dropped out of nowhere when they had such a good first game. So 
it's incredibly risky to make any move right now. I mean, we back in the research that you've had the last couple of months, and then you can get two, uh, two weeks of data and then you can make a move. I mean, the only way I really wouldn't, the, I would be making a move if a player was injured, like actively injured, or yeah. next or this week you're thinking, you know, I've got so many holes, I need to kind of make one trade, but I wouldn't be trading a premium. That's not what I would be doing. If I had to go early yeah. on somebody, it's probably like Nick Martin who probably bought himself like six weeks of job security <laughs> with that match. And I guess I, I would be trading him in, but it's not like I'd be you have to be very careful who you trade out. You don't want to be trading out a player who then might put out a hundred plus you know, score the next week as well. So maybe if you've got like an Owens or something and they're the ones that you want to trade out, like I can understand, especially if it's dropped, that, that would make more sense. But if you can hold your horses and do it next week, that would definitely be my go. There is absolutely nothing that's guaranteed in Supercoach. So yeah, everyone should cool their jets a little bit, I think. Yeah, and um, I think we're already seeing like a, a bunch of coaches have already traded out um, uh, Jack Steele, who was like literally one of the top five-ish super coach players last year. Uh, I think it's just ridiculous seeing like some of the reactionary stuff that um, has happened, you know, so far. And it, 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 like, like even little things like. Um, uh, well, here's, here's a stat for you, Pistol. Jack Crisp has been traded out of 3,400 teams. I mean, it it kind of boggles the mind because Crisp's role that he had in that game was almost identical to the roles that he had in both preseason games. Mm. So, I mean, he all he did was in the other preseason games, he was very good and he dominated. Um, and he had a real bad game this week. He had one of the worst performances that I've seen him play in like three or four years. Like he, he was mm. tragically bad. But that doesn't yeah. mean he's going to be tragically bad next week. And it doesn't mean that he can't perform in this role because he just did it yeah. really well for the last two weeks. And I get last week Lipinski was out, but it wasn't like we didn't have any other midfielders. And then the previous week Lipinski played and Dugowie was out, but Elliot was in the midfield a hell of a lot more than, you know... Um, he was in like any other subsequent week and it, it doesn't really impact him in that same way so yeah just some of the absolute nonsense that have been coming out like how impacting him or more impacting him he's playing as a midfielder majority of the game it doesn't impact mm. him in the slightest way he just had a really bad game and that's okay he can have a down yeah. game we'll judge him next week if he puts in two really bad games then i'll be like oh is it we can deep dive into if it's Collingwood style, if they're putting, if they're doing, you know, frantic move the ball forward at all costs, and you know, as broken down in the the DDD, his role and position in the side is he hangs back a little bit um, for those hard balls, and we can talk about that. But one game sample size, guys. Like if he puts out Chizo a hundred plus next week, would that surprise you in any way? Not at all. It's exactly what I'm expecting. <laughs> so then we, we wouldn't trade him then. Like it's bizarre. it's it's completely bizarre behavior. It's it's upsetting, quite frankly. So, yeah. Look, look, uh, I can tell you're you're actually really worked up about this. So, you know, like uh, we don't actually, you know, I'm not customary to seeing emotions come out of a computer. Well, we we play this game every year, and it's the same thing that happens every year. And I don't understand because yeah. we see it happen. Like last year, was it gone? Went like eighty something. I think it was, or 92, whatever it was. Um, he went on the tear and averaged like 140 for the next six weeks. But people traded him out to Naismith 
after the mm. first week because Nate, Nate, Nate Smith put up a ton. And I'm like, oh, my God. And then the same thing's going to happen with one of these premiums where someone's going to trade them out and they're going to be completely fine for the rest of the season and whoever they trade in is going to be terrible. And we're just going to be like, but why? This happens every yep. year. <laughs> yep. I tell you, one of the I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to put anyone on blast. But I got a DM today that was asking me, would I trade Chris for Doherty or someone like um, Jath from Hawks? I mean, like, no, <laughs> especially not after the say. first week. Look, it's let's give it a week. Let's reassess. Let's see what happens. If you put in two sixty scores, we can talk about it. But after one game, literally the opposite thing can happen. So. I think everyone should just take a little bit of a chill pill. The only reason I would do it, and and this is coming from someone who's open to trading premiums. Like I traded Jelly out after round four to Oliver last season. Like I, I'm totally open to correcting a, a player if they're not playing in the right role um, or you've just got it wrong in the preseason. Like I was advocate for people to trade Neil after, you know, two weeks or three weeks last season because he looked bad Crips last season as well were like yeah you shouldn't be holding him Um, I'm totally open to that but this week no just let's watch two weeks let's see if there's a pattern let's see if it was a bad game you can't tell right now yeah um, and, and so the, the fourth, sorry, the fifth most traded in player this week is Dan Houston in uh, 3,800 uh, teams uh, so I've made is that, that mistake comfort- before is that is that confirmation that uh, JB has about three thousand seven hundred alternate sides that he's been running to to try and beat us again this year? Oh geez, geez, I was trading <laughs> Houston last season in round five for Caleb Daniel was like my worst trade of the season. So I don't even start. Look, I, I don't even see how you came top one hundred with that sort of trade, mate. You you really need to find an expert podcast to listen to. Um, uh, the the other big news uh, just before we start getting into uh, some of the, uh, the the eye test and breakdowns, um, the the big impact that uh, a lot of coaches um, that were running a little bit of risk and a little bit of alternate strategy in the uh, the ruck line was that Darcy was uh, uh, not so much a laid out but wasn't named and uh, having Gorn locked out by the t- the the time that teams were named just highlights just how annoying it is having a Wednesday game. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty funny, like. Uh, we, it we funny for you because long... you didn't own him. No, it was funny because we had this whole talk with like um, Fantasy Footy Take and it was a really, really good discussion. Uh, like the whole podcast was absolute fire in my humble opinion. But yeah. specifically on Darcy, wrong, it was okay. like highlighted like how big of a risk it was for him to miss games and how much more he'd have to outscore Gorn. And I was like, yeah. you know, they they were locked in on, on doing it. And I believe, <laughs> I believe, unfortunately, both of them, on the podcast did go with Darcy, but they're like, look, the risk is worth the reward and you've got to respect it. They back themselves in. Um, and then weren't even able to, it wasn't even a competition thing. He didn't even play. Like it's, yeah. it's so unfortunate. I mean, there's a bailout with Jack Hayes and, and obviously now Darcy gets his turn, but no one could argue that he wasn't going to miss games. Like yeah, he was injured the whole preseason. I mean, it's not going to be the first time that Darcy misses a game. Let me tell you. Look, and it shows that it was just the the most perfect decision possible because they ended up with a Jack Hayes on field and we yeah, ended up with me. a Max Gordon, Max Gordon 90. So long play, long play. It was all, all part of a hoax. Um, Pistol, let's jump into the first game. We've got the Demons and the Dogs, the grand final rematch, uh, which was a, a, another good game. Um, in terms of eye tests on the Demon side, um, it looked very much similar to, to 2021. I think more of the same in terms of the, the super coach relevant, uh, say, mids and rucks. Yeah, honestly, 
it was nearly identical to last season. Gone, yeah. his ruck time split with Jackson was, I'd say, identical to last season. There's no cause for concern there. Nine clangers for Gone is just you know where he lost most of his points. So content Gone owner, not stressing about it whatsoever. I mean, we expect him to lose a bit of cash at the beginning of the season just because you know um, how the magic number works and. Um, he was never like great value, but he'll be a top two ruck, I'm quite sure, in total points by the end of the year. So not worrying about that one. I think the big one for me was Petrarca looked so good. Oh, and it wasn't phenomenal. It, it wasn't like it kind of I know I mean he had an amazing final series, right? So you're kind of thinking maybe he's going to take his game to another level as a permanent, like as his baseline. I think He's, he's that volatile type player and he obviously can have really bad games in the past, but all it takes is for him to clean up that and he suddenly becomes, you know, a top three super coach player. So Petrarca is definitely high on my watch list, completely smashed the eye test there. And Oliver was unbelievable. I mean, 112 super coach points doesn't like scream. He was amazing, but he had 12 clangers. That's just rust. And that's bad luck yeah. half the time when inside yeah. mid gets 12 clangers. I mean, if, if he has six clangers, his score rockets up because those passes, those bad handballs become good handballs. And you're looking at a 140 plus score for Oliver there. So both of those players look incredible. And yeah, to be honest, I'm a little bit scared that I own neither of them because I think they're going to be <laughs> unbelievable premiums this season. Yeah, I actually got a, an interesting DM during the week um, from from Scoey from from your mate Will Schofield, who, who said that you talked him out of Christian Petrarca. Do you have uh, any apology or anything <laughs> in response to that to uh, kind of solidify your the the reason that you're on the expert panel? Uh, I'm I'm looking forward to <laughs> if he writes an article this week for Code um, if he blames me or not. I'm a bit worried yes. about that. Do I it. He, I think he might. <laughs> we'll have to see. But he did have Petrarca in his side, and I said, you know what? You can't see the rest of the team sheets. And Petrarca in his side locked him into a certain structure. And I was like, if rookies aren't named or mid-prices aren't named, you're going to want that flexibility to drop him down to somebody like Barry. Um, so maybe you should consider P- <laughs> Parrish, which... He was like, yeah, fair enough, um, and did go with Parrish, and Petrarca absolutely killed it, and then I spent the first, like, four days feeling really bad, <laughs> bad about that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was periodically checking Twitter to see if your account still existed or it had been, uh, been deleted, but the, <laughs> um, uh, no, that's all right. We, we still love you, Pistol. We expect you to bounce back, okay? Um, in terms of uh, the, the doggy side, mate, uh, I, I want to say it was more of the same, but the, the probably the only difference was that Tim English was the sole ruck um, spoon-feeding their midfielders. Tim English barely got a hit out, but it was more you know playing as a sole ruck. Yep. It was always really good for Tim English. Martin clearly was named, so they have an intention to play him with Martin. However... Yep. Bevo did say that they thought that, you know, English basically did what they wanted him to do and they were happy with progressing with one ruck. So he's, in, he's, he's on the watch list for sure and how he goes um, in the next couple of weeks if they bring Martin back, how it impacts him and all that. Um, but, yeah, it's I'll happily pop him on the watch list. McRae just did McRae things, 133. I, I, he's going to do as well as last season. He's such a freak. And Dunkley had heaps of midfield time, missed a lot of... Um, he was just like around the ball and things just kept not falling his way in the first mm. quarter. And then as the game progressed, he just it's going to be an absolute scoring machine as well. Um, look, honestly, 
everything I would say in this game went as expected. I mean, Bowie and Ed Richards went as I probably had anticipated them do, to do. Ed Richards, 75, is probably a score I expect in the future. And Bowie, look, Salem's out now, so who really knows um, how he's going to go in the next couple of weeks. But not a good start um, for him with, with only 58 points. If, if you do own him, um, I guess take another week to reconsider and we'll just watch him next week. If he has another 50 performance, there'll be a bailout option, no doubt about it. Yeah, yeah, particularly at his price, I think we can find someone um, certainly on that. What did you think of Trelaw? I actually thought he played quite well, but um, uh, probably just his, his ball use um, just let him down a little bit. He only had four clangers, um, but just probably wasn't quite as impactful apart from the couple of goals that he did kick. I mean, his ball use is always questionable. That's yeah. just part and parcel of it. I think it was more Bailey Smith was on like a wing and absolutely dominated i mean it was also inside it was everywhere <laughs> bailey smith did everything um and that i'm not sure it actually impacted for a lot too much um the one that got pushed out was liver he only had one yeah. cba so he played yeah. the half forward and basically dunkley mccray bont were like the big three and bailey smith was in there and trelaw was in there and it was a good midfield mix and i, I do expect that to continue but trelaw is going to do trelaw is going to have 120 games and he's going to have 70 games and that's basically going to be him throughout the season and if he drops enough in price he could certainly be somebody that we look to target at some stage of the season God, he can't get any cheaper can he well of course he can he's, he's already discounted he's put in a 79 <laughs> it's going to get cheaper uh, yeah the only other thing to mention um bont tweaked his uh his ankle but he got through training today uh according to jack mccray so um uh, it's looking a little bit positive in terms of uh, round two, but just keep an eye out on that. Pistol, anything else uh, in terms of eye test you want to touch on from that one? No, I think this game, yeah, was really as right. kind of expected. Cool. Uh, something not expected was uh, the Blues dominating the Tigers pretty much all night. That midfield brigade, uh, even without um, Sammy Walsh, was just you know, so dominant all night. Um, the return of Sam Doherty had a, f- a fantastic game. Uh, but the the one I want to start off with there, Pistol, was uh, is it actually the second or even the return of, of Paddy Cripps in terms of, you know, we've seen some, uh, some good games in the past where we thought, oh, he might be back, but he looked absolutely sublime on Thursday yeah. night last week. Look, I, I think I'll put Cripps and Hewitt in the same sentence here. I thought both of them... Were extremely good. Carlton midfield played very well. You know, full credit to them. Um, dominated. Full credit Richmond. to the boys. Look, I, I just want to Four point out effort. Richmond's midfield has been historically quite weak, quite leaky in Supercoach points. I think they're one of the easiest uh, Supercoach leaking midfields. Um, they lost Prestia um, in the second quarter to a hammy injury, so they had an even weaker midfield on top of their weakened midfield, and they got absolutely smashed in the midfield like Carlton's midfielders all had a midday like literally all of them got like 30 touches and just dominated and all scored amazingly in Supercoach I would be shocked if this was a common occurrence I would say it's likely we get a really good test next week against the Bulldogs and seeing how they all go and you know how they all score together and I'll be watching that very well but I think you know Cripps earned every point of his 132 points. I mean, to be honest, when you kick three goals and have 30 touches, you'd think you get more than 130 yeah, points. So. Yeah, 66% by uh, uh, disposal efficiency, though, probably hurts. Yeah, look, I, I'm not 
I, I'm not jump. I wouldn't be jumping on Cripps after this performance. I mean, what I saw was he looked really good. He got injured. He spent time on the bench to get you know to get fixed up for his minor knock. <laughs> came back on, and I'm like, look, if it, if the boy's getting knocked around, our whole concern was how's he going to play 22 games. That concern did not go away with this game. Like he looks fit and healthy, but he still went off with a knock. Um, I don't know. His body's going to be bashed and bruised. I don't think he's playing 22 games, and I'm not. Yeah, I don't think he's going to score high enough that's going to really make me regret it. I mean, obviously this week was good, but it's a long season, so not feeling too bad. And Hewitt, it's much of the same. I mean, we thought he would average really well with Walsh out of the side and much worse when Walsh is back in the side. Yet to be seen, did he score better than I thought he would? Yes, I thought he would average 110 without Walsh and like 90 with Walsh. Um, He's smash that with a 131 next week against bulldogs if he puts out a 90 guess what chizo it's back to 110 average what we kind of expect exactly so what not, i was gonna say <laughs> i'm not jumping i'm not jumping through hoops to grab any of these guys you need more information you need more data um totally they played well they looked good so yeah congratulations uh to owners there uh in terms of um the the center bounce attendees that we had looked at in the, the, the preseason, we had Hewitt sort of as the third or fourth already. And so, um, if we're just looking at the, the, the mid, they only had four midfielders that had a, a CBA, uh, Matt Kennedy with 24, Cripps with 22, Hewitt with 22 and Chera with 19. You add Walsh into there that, uh, you know, imagine gets a fair chunk as well. Um, it'll be interesting to see whether Chera stays as the, uh, as a CBA mid, uh, whether Hewitt gets pushed out, something like that. So, um, nothing to be unexpected. I think pistol, but just the, their pure dominance in the game. Um, you know, the, the role was exactly what we had expected uh, that it was it was going to be. Uh, I want you to talk to me about your man, Mitch McGovern. He obviously uh, got a bit of a corky late and spent a bit of time on the bench, but uh, an interesting stat is he actually led Carlton for kick-in. So they've got Adam Saad, Nick Newman, Zach Williams, and Sam Doherty, and he had four, um, uh, four of ten. No, yeah, four, uh, four of ten by the looks of it. So um, I, I probably... A hand on my heart would have thought that um, with the introduction of Doherty into, into round one, he would have lost some kick-ins uh, from the preseason, but he seems to have uh, done okay in, in still taking a couple. I was very happy with McGovern, McGovern's performance. I think it was on like 50 at halftime as well. Um, yeah. He didn't do anything wrong, and I didn't lose any confidence in him as a selection. Barely played in the last quarter. Um, he jumped up for a mark, fell on his back, spent most of the quarter off. Um, he did come on right at the end of the game, so he's fine. Um, and really, he's scored. He only had 73% time on ground because of that and still scored 70 and missed the last quarter where, you know, the scaling was on the line. Carlton ran over the top of the Tigers. So pretty unlucky, I think, for owners. I mean, a full game here, he's, he's gone 100-plus, I think. So I didn't expect him to get as many kickouts as he did. And I didn't expect Carlton to use him as much as they did. I thought we were going to be relying just more solely on intercepts than, you know, them actively looking for him. But um, I'm very content with him as a selection. So I look forward to watching him again next week and seeing if that continues. 
Yeah. Uh, Corey Durden obviously uh, had a, a decent showing as well uh, with the 71. Uh, he's been uh, looking like a, a decent bench option in the preseason. Be happy. He, he certainly passed the eye test with two goals, one as well. Smash the eye test. I think the only small yeah. on this, the only uh, player that didn't really pass the eye test for Carlton in the super coach sense was Charlie Kerno. Um, yes, yeah. Didn't quite. Looked a bit slow. Yeah. Looked a little bit like not quite up to the speed of the game. That's right. So. I'll give him another look next week, but I think owners, unfortunately, might need to be uh, planning to trade him out next week. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on the Tigers side of things, uh, someone that absolutely smashed the eye test uh, for me, Pistol, I'm going to shoot you another stat. Uh, 12 kick-ins, 11 play-on um, from, I think, 17 kick-ins I was for Jaden Short. Um, he basically just did what we expected him to do his uh, his ceiling probably got capped a little bit by the fact that the blues were just eating up all the super coach points <laughs> i actually was really i mean i'm really happy with short super coach output but i i thought it was miserable on the eye test i mean he only had 19 kicks and 12 of them came from kick-ins he barely got yep. the ball outside of the kick-in he only had two marks for the entire game we're talking preseason games he had what 14 last week in the preseason and 15 yeah. no in the control game before no no control because he's not taking intercept marks you need uh, richmond needs to be in control of the ball a bit more to be able to supply him with that that's that that's what i'm seeing from it but, they, were, they were just obliterated i mean i wouldn't be surprised if this was one of like short's worst games if you remove all the kick-ins for the rest of the season from his stats if he gets less than seven kicks in another game for the season, I would be shocked. So if this yeah. is my Jaden Short floor, I'm going to be a very happy Jaden Short for the rest of the season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I totally agree. Um, in terms of uh, um, Dusty, he, he was a bit of a... Um, uh, You're a dusty owner, so you tell yeah, me. I, I I am a dusty owner. I, I I kind of got lured into the uh, the preseason hype of oh, you know he's no longer playing forward. He's going to be you know basically all the the promises that we get from Danger and we get from Fife and <laughs> um, but 15 out of 29 CBAs he got parked forward like he like he basically just played the same role he always does. He but did. because they weren't they weren't dominating, he he was far less effective and, and was probably really generous to. End up on 108 as it turned out in the end anyway so um, such a good score and i did not think he was that good <laughs> i know i know and it, i i was getting all these dms particularly from team cheeso who have been against me um starting him and you know like told you teaser told you told you um but i, I wasn't disappointed like if that's what he's he's scoring in, in a game like this i'm not going to be um, too unhappy. I think it's getting to the point now for the Tigers where they do ne- they just need to put him in in the centre as much as they possibly can, uh, particularly with Prestia going down. Their midfield is, has always been a bit leaky, but it's it's certainly getting weaker and weaker by the week um, a- as things are going. So uh, I'm not too disappointed as as an owner, and I'm I'm hoping that things will will certainly improve. Um, Pistol in terms of uh, the rookies, we had Josh Gibkiss, who uh, I thought pretty much played the game that we expected to. Um, as, as that uh, not quite a, a lockdown lockdown defender um, but sort of like another tool there and, and 56 from him I, I, I was reasonably happy with I was worried when I saw the team sheet and Bolsa was down back and I was like you know what if Gipkis has a bad game here he's he's out of the side um, but Bolter went forward in the third quarter and looked really good and I think now with Rewalt injured 
Uh, I think he broke yeah. his thumb, right? So Bolter's going to probably yeah. play forward for the next uh, couple of weeks, and that means Gipkis is completely locked into their 22 anyway. So um, a safe pick. I think well, I think he scored 35 points in one quarter and the and 21 in the other three. So yeah. I mean that goes to show if he if he has a game like game of his life he can put out a hundred plus score but there'll be times this season where unfortunately he puts out like you know six points a quarter for a whole game um, and ends up with a sub thirty score so yeah, yeah it will just you you'll be a luck of the dice with Gibb because he's certainly someone I don't want to be playing on my field but I think as a bench player is probably fine yeah yeah and I think that's just like a a young defensive type is that's you know. Uh, the the quandary that we had with him was, you know, we're paying 170k for someone that's going to average 45 at best. So, um, <laughs> 45, probably like 55. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 56 on. even. 56. Um, so above uh, average. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, so, I think it's pretty much what we expected. I think um, anyone that are, uh, it's about par, if not slightly over. So, uh, but I, but I, yeah, everything that you're saying, uh, Rewild's got a, a history of like coming back with weird injuries like that i'm fairly sure he has like yeah. a broken thumb and he comes back like two weeks instead of four and stuff like that I think so he does, yeah um yeah so certainly interesting um ralph smith was another selection that people were tossing up uh in the in the preseason pistol um i i d- dare say that the the 56 percent time on ground is that he's not passing the eye test for you I mean, yes, I think it's the subs never great, but exactly he'll probably come in. He might come into the side, I guess, given they got beaten. But it's too much of a sub risk in general. Like even if he starts yeah. making money, it takes one game for him to be the sub, and suddenly yeah. he's lost all that cash gen, and he's got a sub type. So yeah, I think I think that's a pass. A sub type. I apologize in advance for how often in this podcast we're going to say probably things are as expected, but honestly. The week went really as expected. Like none of the mid prices, as I said earlier, flopped hard. Um, no one, none of the mid prices went like outstandingly good. The premiums also did kind of what you would expect them to do in most cases, and the ones that don't, we'll obviously talk about. But it was really an as expected type of week. So I want to get my apology in early. All right, cool. That's the end of the podcast. Everything was normal uh, and as to be expected. Uh, I think that pretty much wraps up Carlton and Richmond. There's no one I'm glossing over there. No, um, let's move on to the Collingwood game. Saints and Collingwood, you've been frothing at the mouth to talk about this one. Um, And where should we start? I was happy with Grundy. I was happy with uh, Dugowie's role. yeah, sort of. Again, pretty much, pretty much the same. The one that jumped out at me, Pistol, was uh, Lipinski. For those that jumped on. Yeah, well, I mean, I can ask like, what's what what kind of like surprised you about Lipinski? Um, I, I guess I had like this um, sense of you know, it's sort of like the 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 Bulldogs. I guess the Mitch Wallace type that is like a seventeenth midfielder that they have that sort of plays across the half forward line and gets like seventeen to eighteen touches a game. I I, I certainly didn't see him playing so like he was everywhere like it's almost like uh he was playing uh, like a center in um in terms of like netball or anything like he was he was literally (laughs) from arc to arc all day no one near him no opponent like he was just he probably had the time of his life because he didn't see opponents all day yeah look if i go through the cbas i mean he only had 48 percent cbas so it, it wasn't like he was a massive center bounce midfield hog um, he did, you know, run up the field um, and attack the contests around the ground. But 
to be honest, like he was exceptional. He had a fantastic game. He scored 133. I don't think that's an average game. I'd be surprised. I guess we'll see next Below week. Below average. Wow. No, yeah. <laughs> I, th- I think he just played really well and he had a really good game. I mean, I don't think he's a type of guy based on what I've seen to, you know, average 110 plus. Um, I don't really see it happening. Collingwood clearly don't have him up super high in line for the center bounces. I mean, um, he was... I mean, he was fourth. He, but that we're talking about a guy. So, so I guess it, it comes back to a question of like, why are people trading in Lipinski now? Is yeah, it to yeah. make money or is it as a keeper? Chase the car. Well, like, is he going to be a keeper? Probably nah. not. I mean, he's, he's going to average, what, 105 maybe? Maybe. Wow. Okay. That, that's good though. Like 105 would be great. And if he does yeah. that, you get points, but then you have this weak M8 and then, then you would trade him later and he can make 150K. But are you trading out somebody who's also going to make money? Like people are trading Barry to Lipinski I've seen. Um, yeah. If Barry's fit. Barry's going to make 150k. He might make it slower than Lipinski, but it's going to make you 150k. So you burn a trade for nothing, basically. Well, you you burn it for the points difference between them, but you're not burning it to make more money. And if you had an extra trade in your pocket, which you would by holding Barry, you can use that extra trade somewhere else on your field to make up the points. Yeah, Do you know what I mean. So I don't feel like you gain anything by doing Barry to Lipinski. There's no benefit to your team. At the end of the day, um, I felt like it was a great pick if you started him. If you think he's going to average 110, you could probably trade him in. And if he goes 110, obviously it's a win. But anything else, if it's 105, I mean, I don't. I just, it, I still don't see it as a fantastic pick. Yeah. Maybe okay. if someone gets injured next week. Yeah. Talk to me about some of the other guys, uh, particularly in the midfield. We we touched on Jack Crisp a little bit. He was there, uh, Collingwood's third centre bounce attendee uh, behind Taylor Adams and Dugowie with twenty. He had seventeen. Um, so uh, we've had a lot of talk about people. Um, you know, particularly in SAC, I saw a comment that it looked like um, Crisp had locked his, lost his run through the midfield. I, I'm pretty sure that his role was exactly what we wanted from the preseason. I, I, it just he just got burnt so often. He just got handballed around and he just kind of stood there being like, pass it to me. He, they, they couldn't find him. He couldn't find the ball. It was just like a nightmare game. He only had one mark. He, all, he, he averages quite a lot of marks. He just wasn't on the end of it. They couldn't find him. It looked like Collingwood was pretty much like high intensity, high pressure, scramble the ball forward at all costs. And the way Collingwood sets up its center bounces, which I've talked about before, is Crisp hangs back as like the quarterback. And then the other two players, whether it's it's either, well, typically it's like Dugowie and Adams or a combination of like Elliot and Lipinski or whatever it might be. It's usually the four of them. Um, and if Pendle's in the midfield, then Crisp isn't in the midfield. So it's usually those other four guys and Crisp. Crisp hangs back. The others go for the ball. If they get in trouble, they handball it back to Crisp and then he gets the clearance. A lot of time in this match, Dugowie just got a clean clearance. I mean, he just got the ball and ran out. Taylor Adams did it more times than I remember him doing for a long time. How many? I'm looking here. He had 11 clearances, Chizo. 11. Yeah. Like, he had 11. Um... Lipinski had five, Dugowie had five. Doesn't leave many for Crisp. We didn't need to go back. The midfield just got on top of the Saints midfield and they were clearing it forward. They didn't need Crisp. And that is a danger of his role. However, I can't say that's going to happen so many times for Collingwood this season, unfortunately. I think uh, the realistic scenario is we 
lose more games than we win. And a lot of it times does happen in the center. And, you know, Chris will get more of the ball. Um, so, look, it is what it is. We'll see him next week. If he puts out another stinker, we'll look a bit deeper into it. But I'm, I'm quite confident he's going to just pop out a ton next week and look fantastic. So I don't really want to harp on it too much. I think any talk of trading him is just real rubbish right now. Let's let's reassess that one next week. Yeah. Um, Dugowie, 27 touches, two goals, three, and only the 111 supercoach points there, Pistol. Like, um, based on his explosiveness, that's probably like a 140. for. <laughs> he seems to have done absolutely everything in terms of being a midfielder. He's got the role, which we wanted to see. Um, yeah. Probably maybe a bit less, I guess. I don't know. He, he was still like our leading CBA guy, so... Um, I just think he's a good pick. 450k, yeah. I don't think you can go wrong. I don't know how people would get there now. There's no one that really failed, again, as a mid-pricer to be able to get there. So yeah. um, I think he passed the eye test for sure. I think we'll work out a way to get him in quite early on in the season. Yeah. Uh, Nick Dacos um, was fantastic. Uh, absolutely, yeah. I, I, literally what I said to you in Messenger. Could, um, could he be a backline keep, keeper? That's a great question. Uh, I just worry that it is... We we tend to see these first year as kind of taper a little bit, and you could get to the end of the the season, and he's just falling behind whoever's got it. Uh, someone yeah. else has it. D six, uh, particularly as you've mentioned, the 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 defensive uh, keepers are scoring more and more each year now. Um, so I, I probably don't think he's going to end up being a keeper. But his role off that halfback line means he's definitely going to get DPP. Where like I'm absolutely assured of that now. Yeah. Um, it, rather than it just being hypothetical. Um, uh, we don't really need to go too much into that as much as you want to talk about it. But um, yeah, he was super great. Um, and one I am actually, I'm super interested to hear your thoughts about um, is the potential for DPP based on Scott Pendlebury's role. Because I did see, I did still see some centre bounce attendees, uh, tenancies from, from Pendles. I think he had six of uh, of their, their CBAs, which was about a quarter or maybe 20%. So um, do you think he's going to be in the, the, the back line enough to get the, the DPP? Yeah, he, so he had a third of our centre bounces, which was interesting. It was more than I had expected. I think it may have just been game was on the line. Uh, Chris was having a stinker, so they just put him there um, yeah. to try and shore it up a little bit. And to be honest, like I don't think he's going to score enough to be a, a backline. He's going to have to average 100-plus to be a backline keeper. Um, yeah. He's got a nasty habit of not playing on from kick-ins, which, <laughs> I mean, pretty much every player wants to build their stats uh, from these kick-ins, and Pendles just doesn't for some reason. But uh, yeah. he only played on from two of his four kick-ins. Um, yeah. Not not great. Um, but also, doing, that's surprising thing is Darcy Moore took six kick-ins. So we thought... Pendlebury would have like 100% of the kick-ins, but he's not even the main kick-in guy. So I think that probably reduces his likelihood of being a backkeeper. So yeah, it's probably yeah. a pass. Moore took like 75% of them in the preseason though. Were we really expecting Pendles to go back and well, Moore suddenly didn't take... play in the preseason game because he was injured. So Pendles no, in the, took every in the, single he one. He played one of them though, didn't he? Um, I can't remember if he played the unofficial one, but he didn't play the other one. Um, I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he, he took the majority of the kickouts. No, you know what? Against against Hawthorne, uh, Pendles took all of them, and Moore didn't play. Uh, I, can't, okay. I can't remember last week. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> can't it's remember all a blur. what you ate for breakfast. 
But if you ask him what Tom McDonald scored in round 14 of 2017, I bet you you'll remember that. Yeah, just, no, <laughs> that that's just it. 76, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> yeah, Ginevan, 199k forward. Looks really lively, but I don't think it's a selection. 64 points. Um, not bad, but uh, yeah, it's it's a, a pass on that side. But let's jump to the St. Kilda side to keep the podcast moving. Jack Hayes, yep. there's not much more we can say, except he absolutely dominated um, yeah. nearly won them the game. He was easily Saints' best player, which is hilarious. 127 super coach points. Um, Chizo, I'd still advise not going early on Hayes. I know he looks amazing, but unfortunately, Paddy Ryder does have to come back in the side. They don't have many options, many tools to drop. Um, I, I was saying in the preseason, maybe he could overtake Wood, but Wood played kind of higher up the ground, like in a, maybe even a Billings-type role, which was surprising. Um, maybe they drop like a Kent and go really tall. But to be honest with you, Chizo, yeah. if, if Hayes comes out next week and puts out like a 30 super coach performance and he gets like three kicks in the handball, I mean, even though he had this amazing performance, if he puts out four touches, he probably gets dropped anyway for Ryder. So I, he's not somebody that I'd go early for. Yeah, I, I think... I think for me, I need to wait until the teams come out and like plan for him, and then wait for the teams to come out in round three, yeah, um, and, and see how they they structure him up because he he was he was clearly playing that role um, that sort of Marshall plays when Ryder's in the side. Um, I just don't see the Saints going that top heavy. Um, when Ryder comes back in, so um, just obviously that's just personal opinion, but we can. Um, uh, for for those that that are looking at him, you should absolutely have him high on the watch list in, in terms of um, keeping an eye on him for sure. Um, yep. Pistol at the other end of the spectrum, midfield rookie Machido Owens, uh, only forty nine percent time on ground. He he might as well have been the sub the amount of times I saw him on the field. Oh gosh, yeah, forty nine percent time on ground. If you're not, if the kids aren't ready to play, just don't play them. Um, yeah. It's. I don't even know what to say. I don't want to say like he didn't. He didn't get enough game time to show me what he can do. I mean, it's as simple as that. If he's named next week, I'll give him another run. I'll have a look at how he plays. I mean, the good news is, if he doesn't get dropped, this two falls out of the price rise very quickly, and he'll he can start yeah. making money still. So it's not. It's not yeah. like all is lost. Um, hopefully, he can bounce back. If he gets dropped, well, then I'll you know trade him next week to Nick Martin or whatever it yeah. might be. So. Um, it is what it is there. I'm not too too worried. I don't think there's too many more Saints to talk about. I mean, Jack Steele I, um, passed the eye test. He just had nine clangers. Yeah. So, yeah. again, just well, that, an outlier game there. That's what I was going to say about Owens is that you, you, we're looking at the two super coach points that he got and they're like, yeah, that's bad. But he also had six touches, two marks. Uh, sorry, uh, two tackles, a mark, um, three contested possessions and a clearance. And you're like, oh, how did he get two points? It's like of the six possessions he had, he had four clangers. And that's like, <laughs> you, know, he, uh, you know, he probably, and I'm being generous here, Pistol, had a 25 <laughs> in there if he, he just hit a target. Yeah, and he didn't play enough on the ground to be able to judge no. it fairly. So I don't, yeah, don't less feel like than half a game. It's not a fair comparison. Um, Jack Jack Sinclair looks pretty good off the back line. I, I'd like to keep him on the watch list. I don't think he's ruled himself out as being on the fringe of a, a top top defender selection. So I'll I'll add that to my watch list um, for now. I think he passed the yeah. eye test. Passing the eye test was Rowan Marshall as the uh, basically the sole ruck. Yeah, um, as always, he's a bloody oh, gun. He's oh my god, 
can can we make a rule that they're only allowed to take one ruckman into <laughs> in, into into AFL games? Like, there's so many rucks out there that if we could just get them to be R one for 22 games, like we wouldn't be arguing over Darcy Grundy and 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 Gorn for three spots. He legitimately um, can outscore Grundy and Gorn if he was just number one ruck for the for oh, the whole season. Yeah, absolutely, it's just unbelievable. Yeah, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up. Uh, For sure. This game, this game as well. We'll jump into Essendon and Geelong. Not much to speak of here on the Essendon side of things. They all sucked, <laughs> <laughs> except for except for Nick Martin, my new favourite player. I'm actually going to get. Um, I'm taking the three off the back of my jersey and whacking a seven there. So, or not taking it off. I'm going to just going to move it across and make it 37. <laughs> um, <laughs> five goals, 27 touches, 10 marks. Uh, I mentioned in the in the preseason uh, pistol that I saw him off the half forward or a bit of a wing role. And it just goes to show that's um, the, the strength that he had. Um, he, he's just that accumulating time. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Uh, that just finds himself in the right position at, uh, all the time. Like it, it was just, it was the one shining light out of the weekend and, and another one that I've probably got my eyes on Martin more than Hayes, even if he's named with Paddy Ryder. Yeah, no, for sure. Martin, Martin looked unbelievable. I mean, to be honest, I can't take much from this game just because it was an absolute like 10 goal smashing from almost the get go. Like Geelong just pounced in the first quarter and it was just a whitewash for the whole yeah. game. So I'd like to see Essendon next week. I don't really, even like Baldwin, I don't think his super good score is super reflective on how he played. So uh, he, he, I thought he was like pretty decent eye test wise. Yeah. So like, I, I'm happy. Let's call it a whitewash. Let's look and judge it for next week. The only one I want to talk about, I guess is Ridley. Um, he did not have like a free floating intercept role. He was still no. guarding people. He, he didn't yeah. look very good. He got thrown forward late, which is completely surprising. Um, completely out of sorts. I would love to see him go next week and see if he can uh, put out you know a good performance. But he's probably the out of all the premiums in the game, he's probably the one that I've, that I'm most worried about coming good. I yeah. think. Um, let's see again how he goes next week if he puts out another sixty. Um, he he might be the guy that I say, you know what, let's let's cut the losses early and run before for a price drop. So keen to watch him again. And he only had five of eighteen kick ins too. So we we talked about uh, how good he was when he had eighty percent, and then the rest of the year he was around forty percent. He's down like 
near the 30% mark. So um, he, he's sharing them with so many people. We've got Andrew McGrath took uh, took a kick in. Merritt took one. Uh, Heppel took one. Hines, another kick-in taker. For some reason, we're letting Tom, uh, Tom Cutler take kick-ins. Uh, and Mason Redmond's his main competition who had five as well as him. So um, that, that floor that we were so comfortable with him having previously seems to have been impacted a little bit. Um, and and so um, definitely one to, to, to keep an eye on. Um, Pistol, I, I know that you uh, recommended we'll get Darcy Parrish, and I do want to mention that he still had 34 touches. You know, like uh, he, he was still really, really decent on the on the weekend. They just got smashed uh, as a, you know, like a rather than an individual focus as a team. They just weren't linking up. They weren't, uh, there was no flow in terms of the game. So the usual points that he would get from a, uh, a 34 touch game just weren't there for him. So people are looking at it and seeing uh, only a 99 and being disappointed. But um, I, I think last year we saw a number of games with pretty similar stats that he was putting up big numbers for. Yeah, look, first quarter when the game was on the line, they needed Parrish to step up to stop, you know, the flow because the Cats yeah. midfield was on top and he, and he didn't stand up and he didn't yeah. score points. And then, you know, the rest of the game, he was playing catch up and got a lot of cheaper touches, uh, not too yes. many contested possessions for him. And that really is reflected in why he got those 99 points. So again, it's a wash for Bombers. We'll, we'll judge him next week. But the uh, the Cats were a bit interesting. Dangerfield doesn't seem to age. Um, he was on like 100 at halftime. <laughs> He was yep. explosive. He was winning all of the contests. He had 19 contested possessions. He was winning the clearances. I mean, he had eight clearances. Parfit had 11 clearances. I mean, they spanked. Absolutely. I was going to say smashed and spanked at the same yeah, time. Yeah, you changed it because you've said it four times already. Yeah, I think so. Um, they spanked the Bombers in the midfield. Um, and that's, you know, why... Dangerfield just scored so many points and you know yeah. Stengel kicks a, a lot of goals and we're not really going to talk about him because we'll see how he goes when they don't win by 10 goals um, Tom Stewart 103 points Chizo, the ball wasn't even there he scored all his points in the first quarter and then I think the scaling just ticked him along to to 103 points because <laughs> couldn't couldn't see the ball because it was just constantly in the Geelong forward line but it's a good sign that he was still still managing to score points so yeah not not too much report on on their behalf, except the uh, deconning uh, KO, I think he's going to miss. Well, it wasn't quite a KO, but he did get yeah. concussed and he's out for next Concussion. week. But I think he did enough to hold his spot, Jesus. I, I was happy with his. I think he passed the eye test. Yeah, so did I. I don't, I don't think it was any different to what we expected. We thought that he was going to be playing this sort of um, close checking defender in the uh, in the off season, and that's carried through. And um, the fact that he held his side. Uh, held his spot in the side with a, a reasonably fit and firing Geelong. Um, uh, kind of gives me confidence that when he is healthy, he's probably going to come um, pretty instantaneously back into that side. So yeah. um, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really quite happy with him in terms of that. Um, probably averages 50, yeah. but whatever it is, what it is. Yeah, that's right. 123K, like what, what can you do, yeah. honestly? I think um, uh, just uh, lastly, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up Geelong, you happy with that? Yep, no, done. Happy, yeah, yeah. ready to move uh, on when you I, are. Yeah, I just wanted to mention that people were a little bit excited that Andy McGrath might get DPP in terms of being a defender this year. Um, I He did play a little bit down back and took a kick in and stuff like that, but he still attended 50% of our centre bounces. So um, I, I, I think it's getting based on what i saw in round one i don't think he's a lock to get it in in the the, the round six dpp update so um 
um, uh, yeah, just just something I mentioned there. I think he's less likely than likely after after seeing that. Um, so we'll jump into uh, the Battle of the Bridge pistol, um, the Giants and the Swans. Uh, on the, uh, the the Swan side of things, I thought that um, Isaac Heaney um, sort of basically um, delivered on the promises that we've been given to for about the last eight years. <laughs> I'd say not quite. Uh, it was a, it was <laughs> it was a good match to go and be a neutral supporter at. I really enjoyed it. I thought it was um, just like high quality football, especially when I compare it to like the Hawthorne North Melbourne game. Um, Heaney really started and it, like he started forward and he played forward until the third quarter. Um, I mean, for the total, he only had forty seven percent CBAs for the whole match, but most yeah. of the first half he was in the forward line. Um, wasn't I don't think he was like super good um, until he got pushed into the midfield and then Parker went forward and uh, Parker like dominated and Heaney dominated so between them the game was really tight for the whole time so the way you know the scaling worked was towards the end of the match there was more points I guess up for grabs compared to the earlier parts of the match when Heaney was quiet and off the top of my head Heaney had like an 80 point second half so um, definitely well deserved. Massive second half, really good. I didn't, you know, what the seventy thirty midfield forward split that the horse was talking about in the preseason is complete rubbish. He, that's not going to happen. Um, yeah, it's just a classic Heaney game. He's going to put out one forties. He's going to put out fifties. Like that, it just is what it is. But he's certainly fun to watch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I certainly agree. Um... What else? Dylan Stevens, I thought was pretty decent. Um, his yep. role, kind of um, running on the outside, bit of a wing, um, sort of half forty, uh, almost like a, a bit of an attacking wing. I thought at certain times, but I might be wrong about that. No, but, um, that's, that's yeah, accurate. I, yeah, I, th- I thought he was fine. I thought um, totally the, fine. The, those that were worried about him in the preseason were trying to force him to, to M ten on their bench. I think um, uh, he, he's looking um, better than that. Yeah, look, I don't have any worries about him, especially that. Um, Justin McInerney was uh, injured right at the end of the game. I think he, it was like an ankle or a knee um, right yeah, in the last two minutes. Um, basically means that I think, uh, yeah, Stevens is going to have a, a wing all to a himself wing yeah. for yeah. even more job security than he already had. I mean, Lloyd Lloyd will come back and that you know he won't be impacted that way. I think um, Sheldrick will probably go out for Warner and that's probably you know, fair reflection of the game. Um, but yeah, honestly, it's it was hard to read much from this game. Um, they both played the corridor. They did not go wide very often, which is, I guess, somewhat interesting to see if that's just because of the ground or if it was uh, a tactical change from both of them, just because I think that may hamper someone like Lloyd. Um, if they don't go wide as much, it was it a was very corridor-driven game. Um, on the GWS side, the first one I want to talk about is Whitfield in a little bit of depth. Um, yeah. So Whitfield scored 73. Um, I was watching him like a hawk in that game. I was really interested to see, I guess, what role he would have and everything. And I noticed in the third quarter, he pulled up from a run and he grabbed his thigh slash groin area. Um, and he kept trying to stretch it out and it wouldn't stretch out. And he ran to the bench um, they did. I don't know what I couldn't see because it was on the far side of the ground. I don't know if they did some work on it or he went to the room, so I couldn't see that far. Um, he did come back out that corner, did a couple of sprints, 
got the ball and the chain or two and then pulled up again and was rubbing his thigh and his leg. And he was like doing these big, wide, open stance steps. And I'm like, uh-oh, you know, something's wrong. And he was like hobbling behind play. And then whenever the ball came near, he could sprint and he was sprinting fine. And then he just couldn't walk. And I was like, something's wrong here. And then the fourth quarter, instead of starting off the halfback flank, he was starting at half forward flank. So I'm like, I think they're hiding him away, hoping he's um, not quite going to impact the play. And he was still able to sprint, but he couldn't walk. And even at the end of the game, he was walking really weird. I've got got a funny little video of him walking walking off with like these wide steps. Um, I'm not sure if he's just like a, I don't know, sore or if it's something more than that. But definitely I want to keep my eye on it throughout the week because, yeah, he. if I have to put a name to it, Chizo, he looked injured to me. Oh, yeah, you're using the I word. He, he, there was something wrong. Yeah, he definitely, it was not right. It wasn't like a cramp. There, there was something actively wrong um, because it lasted way too long to be a cramp and he, he was pushing through it to try and finish the game. But um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm a little bit worried. If, he, if, if there's no news, um, I guess that'd be good. But I'd love to get some clarification and know that he's totally fine because mm. um, I, what I saw was a little scary <laughs> yeah and what we know is that gws are really transparent and they're probably gonna come out and let us know that he uh, you know he was struggling pushing through a groin cramp which <laughs> as you know pistol they're, they're, they're hard to push through um, <laughs> um Stephen Canelio, 80 points I was actually happy with his role, number one midfielder pretty much i i, I think the thing that is going to cap his ceiling a little bit is they've just rather than make the choice of picking their three or four best midfielders. They've just decided that they're going to run six through yeah. 50% of their CBAs. And so I think there was Kelly getting like a Kelly, Green, Taranto, Cornelio, all, uh, even Callum Ward. All of these guys had about 50% of the CBAs. And I think that's <laughs> that's sort of, you know, one of them's going to have a 160 game like Green did on the weekend. And then one of them's going to have an 80 game. Yep. It's just the, the, the sort of the, the Jack Crisp luck of the bounce. Honestly, I thought Cornelio's role was really good, but Cornelio played yep. really badly. Like I, I yep. thought he was missed a lot um, in terms of like in chains. They weren't going to him, didn't use the ball particularly cleanly. Um, just a very, you know, just substandard performance. And still he managed to put out 80 super coach points, which does make me happy. You know, he's in the forward line. I can hide that 80 away. That's really not too bad. I just need him to put in a good performance next week and you know see see that 110 plus score. I think he's totally capable of putting out those scores because he's he's got the role like he's in those center bounces. So um, yeah, yeah, no no real issue for me there. And, and how was Stephen Cornelio walking? He was walking all right. <laughs> yeah, no, he he was walking and running fine. I was keeping <laughs> a close eye on his groins. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I've had a few messages today, Pistol, I don't know about you, about Tom Green. Is he an option to try and bring in? Um, pretty much what we've just touched on, I think, um, you know, probably, you know, maybe 12 months, he's probably a, 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 an amazing um, midfielder uh, for GWS. But uh, I, I think we need a few more data points than just the, the where you got the, the, the luck of the draw in terms of that game. Um, he will be and, one day. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. He's going to be a primo. I mean, let's... I will watch him again next week. If they have any shift in their CBAs, if he can push, you know, 60, 70% CBA, um, yeah. he could do some serious super coach point scoring. So I'm, keep, I'm definitely keeping my eye on him. I just, the problem is, 
yeah, 53% CBAs. It's not, it means he's going to have a low floor. So, yeah. Something to keep the eye yeah. on. Yeah. And yeah, uh, last one. Yeah, last one to touch on, Paddy McCartan. He passed the eye test for me. He was uh, playing close checking for most of the day. Uh, I was just thankful to get it, get through without getting a head knock, pretty much, Pistol. And uh, 70 from him is probably a little bit more than what I was anticipating, but it, I, I'm, I'm really, really happy. Particularly, um, uh, his time on ground was fantastic. I forget what it was, but he almost didn't uh, almost didn't come off for the day. He, yeah, well, there you great. go. So, yeah. Completely passed yeah. the eye test. Total, total agreement with you there. Just, cool. just quickly before we jump in, um, a lot of people, well, not a lot of people, very few people uh, went for Four Bruce people. when Hayes did very well. Um, I do want to point out that Hogan didn't play, and it's very possible they bring in Hogan instead of Bruce, and Bruce yeah. might not play because Flynn was fine. Like, Flynn's yeah. got 119 super coach points. Like, he he was really, I would, you couldn't drop him after that performance. Like, he's either going to, either going to play Proust and him, or they're just going to play Flynn. And after what I saw, I think they bring in Hogan. I don't, I'm not even sure Proust comes in straight away. So, yeah, they might, yeah. but yeah, let's, let's wait and see on that one. Uh, Hogan gives him some chop out in the the forward line sometimes too. So, well, uh, and so does Himmelberg, Himmelberg as well yeah. sometimes. So, and they had Riccardi um, as well. I mean, I don't know if you really want to drop Riccardi. You need to give him consistent games because he can play footy. They just need to like yeah. give him the game. So, yeah, very very interesting there. I think Riccardi took a couple of hitouts. Um, Tom Green got two hitouts. Fun fact: he's one hundred and seventy centimeters. Who is he rucking against? <laughs> <laughs> no, <Aiden laughs> being disingenuous. Yeah. No, let's jump into All right. the next one. We got it. We got to get Lions. Yeah, I know. Lions and power. Um, speaking of things that went as anticipated, Lockie Neal, thirty-one touches, uh, just back to his freak best. Looks un like just not hampered by uh, the 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 injuries and niggles that he's had over the last uh, um, year or so. Ah, uh, pretty much the easiest pick in the game at this point. Discounted yep. price, yep. uh, average the same as the big boys. Yep. Uh, Danny Rich um, started okay, but it, probably not the uh, um, the. I wouldn't say it was the the greatest game. He had a little bit of a niggle. I forget if it was like a, a corky on his uh, his buttock or something like that, or lower back. But he um, uh, he was still taking kick out, sort sort of the same role that we expected. I think um, something that stood out for me was Zorko probably taking a few t- a few kicks from him. Yeah, and Zorko got injured though, so not a really a concern. Um, for the future, although I wish we'll say Zocco played well, that, down back, so DPP is a possibility. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. So um, he got subbed off early in the third, I think it was, yeah. and Dan Rich had five and Zorko had three. So it's it's not the um, the absolute eighty percent commodity that we thought he was going to get with Coleman and Birchall. No, you know, not able to take that extra twenty percent. So those that took the punt, thinking that he was going to be a really high floor defender. Um, he might still be because yeah, how long Zorko yeah. out, we don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, uh, just uh, certainly interesting anyway. No, um, no concerns there. He was off for like it was like 18 minutes or something with that corky. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, just unfortunate he missed bu- um, bulk opportunities to score. So uh, this this could definitely be Rich's worst score of the season. Yeah. Um, Pistol, I, I do want you to break down Jared Berry for me. Uh, he was looking really good at halftime at about 70 and then finished the game by losing points over the entirety of the second half. And I was just thinking to myself, where did you go, Jared? Where are you? Find the ball. Find it. 
the whole game. I think he was playing like the weak side wing. So the, a lot of the ball was played on the same side and Barry was just like floating in the background and they didn't really like switch the play up and hit him up and he could not find the ball. I mean... Oh, tell me about it. It, it was frustrating, don't get me wrong, but <laughs> at the end of the day, if he's able to score 70 points in the half, I think he scored like 50 points in the first quarter as a yeah, 268K freak. player. I mean, look, he scored okay for two quarters. Maybe he can put together three next week and score a 90. And then what happens when he scores four? You know, I've seen yeah. um, people want to trade him out and I'm like, but why? He's still going to make the money. I mean... You saw his scoring potential. He copped that shoulder knock. I think they've already said that. Um, what did they say? Chizo? They said something and like, said, like roughly that he was going to be fine. I'm going to look it up quickly. It says Bez had a minor shoulder capsule irritation, but it is stable and will get him up for this week. That's good. Shoulder capsule? I don't know what that is means. It like, it's the capsule of the. You don't know what that means? I mean, you're the one with the. Uh, Slight medical knowledge. Well, a capture is self-explanatory and shoulder is self-explanatory. I'll let you put two and two together. God, I don't know what irritation is, but I'm <laughs> guessing it's something that you're doing right now. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're absolutely spot on. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> All right, so Barry's uh, yeah, no, yeah, I, I, I thought that that was pretty much the same. Um, he went by 55% um, disposal efficiency too, which sort of killed him, but... Um, yeah, but the the role that I saw was was fantastic. Um, on the uh, the power side of things, JB chickened out from starting Houston after teasing us all on Twitter, and then aren't we the ones laughing at him for getting a one forty four? It looked really good. I remember why I wanted to get him last season. Yeah, are you going to do it again? No, I'm never ever going to pick him again. What's wrong with it? <laughs> Don't tempt me, Cheeto. <laughs> <laughs> Not this. Fortunately, think, most of my backline's already sorted, so don't have room for him anyway. Yeah, good, good, good. Um, Zach Butters played um, basically the role that we had anticipated in the in the preseason. Pistol, he was uh, pretty fantastic. I, I, I would have liked to see him in the middle a little bit more. I felt like he was still sort of off the the half forward line um, from time to time. Um, but I, th- I think he had, um, let me just look it up, 14 of 24 centre-bounce attendances, and he was their third. Yeah, so, look, arguably one of the, in their main rotation. So um, If he's in that, the third, if much... he's third, he's in the main rotation. He got eight clearances. Yeah, that's true. What more can we want from the boy? I mean, 92% time on ground. Easy, yep. great pick. Um, honestly, 114. You know, I saw we, someone someone sent us abuse at quite a time when he was on 24 points, complaining <laughs> why we convinced him to pick such a bad pick. Oh, so but, I don't know if they watched the rest did, of the game or even if I they watched the first I hope you replied really nicely. Yeah, I did. Did you reply I didn't really nicely? No, nah, I just left it. Oh. Just, no, oh, what's the point? If, if you All can't right, recognize risk- the glory... Of Zach Butters. I mean, there's no point even listening to podcasts. Just go and bury your head in the sand and pick randomize. Now, I I made you explain this one to me. How did Jackson go? Uh, Yeah, look, Jackson Mead played almost invisibly and still scored 52 points, which I think is a good sign. Um, I I didn't see him either. Look, he didn't do too much. But with all these Port Adelaide injuries, he's probably going to have decent job security. So yeah, that's the thing. I think he's he's a fine pick. He's not someone that I'm like itching to get into my side, but if I had him, I'd be pretty happy. 
Yeah. Uh, well, talk to me about um, the defensive op- options for Port because they've obviously had a few um, a few injuries. Uh, if Robbie Gray ends up being out, it looks like uh, McKenzie might come um, into, even though he play- he ran the game out. Uh, Connor Rosie, I can't remember if he was um, fully out. He but came back. I, on, I, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. I, I I know that in the defense line specifically for Port, we might be seeing a few a uh, few new faces this week. Well, Alira is rumoured to be... Well, we'll see what happens with scans and surgery and all that. But if he's done his syndemosis, we'll be seeing him gone for two months and in comes Skinner. Yeah. Like-for-like yeah. like kind of replacement. And uh, that would be great for Skinner's job security. Um, two yeah. months. Not a high scorer. He, I would be expecting him to average like uh, 50 again. Um, but he's got that DPP forward defence status, which opens up some swing options great job security which will be a positive um but the one i'm hoping for really is uh sin if sin can come on the side yeah. i mean Dersma hurt his shoulder not confirmed i don't think yet if he's like out or not um i don't think he broke anything so he might be back very soon but if sin gets named um he's got good scoring potential and listed as a defender kind of gives us a couple more options. So definitely that's another reason why it's not worth trading this week because if someone like Sin does get named and plays, it might be better you know, trading next week to get someone like him rather than trading early this week and getting someone like Nick Martin who, I don't know, God forbid, gets injured or something. So um, yeah, just another reason to just hold, hold fire a little. Yeah, I think that they're the two that um, I'm certainly keeping an eye out from. And I guess the, the, the big benefit is we've got up until round four as well um, to, to kind of really get some extra data points to sort of see who we want to be moving around, what pieces that we need to do with our sides to sort of fit these guys in. So um, that's certainly important as well. Pistol, there's not a whole lot no, left in this on. side. So let's jump on to Hawks and North Melbourne. Um, I thought the Hawks played really, really well in this one. Um, and uh, Sicily was a little bit underwhelming to start the game, but he sort of... He, he came home with a typical Sicily game where you thought he was going to put out like a 75 or 80 um, and just ended up racking up uh, towards the, the, the back half of uh, the, the third and fourth quarter and ending up with a ton. Look, the skill level's low for both of these sides, but Sicily, I think he had 15 touches the halftime, ended with 27. He just used the yeah. ball really badly in the first half and really well in the second yeah, yeah. half. Um, the scaling was interesting in this game, that's for sure. There was like a lot of, lot of scaling. Um, but 105 points at his price is a big win. Roll was exactly as you would expected. He looked good. I don't think anyone was upset with picking Sicily, but he also didn't scream like must-have either. I think. Yeah, that's what I thought. Again, hate to use the words, but he was exactly as expected. Um, you know, he took. I guess he took maybe more kick-ins that we thought he would. He took four. Um, Hardwick took four, and Scrimshaw took two. So 40. percent I mean. Maybe that's something that people didn't expect. But yeah, uh, I think um, it'll certainly be interesting seeing how he goes with the day back in the side soon as well and if it impacts him mm. or not. Yeah. Uh, let's run through a couple of the uh, the rookie-priced options. Pistol, Finn McGuinness uh, named on the halfback line. Um, I don't believe he ended up playing there uh, in the end. I think he rotated off half forward. Um, but he... Probably has a little bit of uh, iffy job security, even though he, he did score the 60. Uh, Connor McDonald, I think, played better than his 48 uh, and probably solidified his spot in that side for a little bit longer. You agree? 
so this one's a hard one to pick. So I guess um, when Max Lynch got injured, Tom Phillips came in and played pretty well. Um, I think, yeah, what did he have? Like 17 touches after coming on the sub yeah. and eight marks and five tackles. So I don't know if they're going to drop someone like Tom Phillips. Um, Bruce has to come back into the side as well. So honestly, there's there's some danger here because the worst players on the field, I guess, were Wingard for like 90% of the game and he had a really good final quarter to win them the match. Um, I guess Jaeger and Mira was also pretty rubbish for most of the game. And then it was Ward and McDonald and McGuinness as like the other weakest players. I guess Warple was also really weak, but I, I got a feeling they won't drop Warple. Um, to be honest, Jesus, I think one of them is going to go out of the side. I just don't know exactly which yeah. one right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think it's important to to mention, like a lot of people are looking at, at a Ward score um, with 36. He pretty much generated all of his points in the first half. And um, I, I know a lot of people were worried that he'd, he'd rolled his ankle or done a calf or something like that. I think after the game, um, Sam Mitchell, I think it was, was saying that he basically just cramped up really, really bad. Yep. Um, and he was str- and was struggling to run the game out. So unless some more information sort of comes out about that, I'm sort of um, seeing that he, he's just used up all his petrol tickets in the official practice match. Watching him against the Pies in the unofficial match, um, he had the same role as he did now, which was a bit of wing, bit of CBA, and he was shocking. Um, that was with a full, you know, Hawthorne contingent in midfield. In the second, in the you know, practice, official practice match, um, John was missing as was Titch. So he had, you know, free reign and scored really well. I was wondering what sort of ward we would see uh, today. It was unfortunate we saw, I guess, the shocking version. Um, however, his role is still really good, right? Like he's getting CBA, yeah, yeah. he's getting wings, so that the point scoring potential should be there. Um, but if I watch him next week and think that he's no good again, um, I... I do think he'll make money, but if I have to sacrifice someone, um, it, it could end up being him if he if he puts out another really poor performance. But honestly, again, I think one of these guys, one of these rookies is probably going to get dropped. So um, our, our mind mate will probably be made up for us. So we'll have to wait and see there. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right. Uh, we might as well jump over into uh, the North Melbourne side of things. And you're chomping at the bit to talk about Aaron Hall, mate. Did you jump on the train? <laughs> I love Hall. Um, late change to my side. Um, I swapped Stewart out to Hall and was incredibly happy with Hall's halftime score. I think it was like 93 or something. Uh, slow second half for Hall. But <laughs> I also had my heart in my mouth where he like grabbed his, what was he, grabbed his like calf. Um, and, and I was like, oh, you know, here we go. He's been injured. <laughs> I deserve this. This is my fault. Um, but he, he ran out the game fine. Look, he is a super coach cheat code. He just runs around the back line and they just pass it to him and then he distributes the ball. He doesn't really, he just is complete cheat code. He's such a good scorer. Um, if he manages to play every game, he's going to be the top scoring defender without a doubt in the world. Um, it's just how many games he can go before he gets injured. Um, yeah, I think he's, he's an unreal pick, but Geez, one of the other players uh, probably outshone him um, in that North Melbourne side. Luke McDonald, only listed as a 372k midfielder, will definitely get back status because he played fully down back. Um, yeah. He was taking so many intercept marks. I think it was like eight or nine or something crazy. Just um, really good role. 140 super coach points. 
I it's it's unfortunate that he plays West Coast and their forward injury is not great, so he might do the same thing again. So it'll be hard to judge. But if he looks really good next week, paying three hundred and seventy-two k for potentially a very high-scoring defensive keeper is certainly on the cards. I think for me, I'll, I'm 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 going to add him straight to that watch list. Pass the eye test with yeah. flying colours. Yeah, yeah. Any different to the the Luke McDonald that you know we've sort of come to expect off that halfback line? Or basically that, that, that role that we've seen before. So he did average 118 in those 10 games we moved to the halfback flank that we saw yeah, Hall have. Yeah, yeah, But they were kind of the one-two punch, you know, that we kind of... I mean, even Zeebel scored 115, so it was, it was a one-two-three punch. Um, he just looked really good. I don't know if it was a specific... It wasn't the same role as he'd had before because he was definitely playing more intercept rather than loose. Um but, you know, he does take some kick-ins. He does take a lot of the, the cheap ball. McDonald and Hall pass it to each other. Um, yeah, past the, fly, past the eye test with flying colours. Uh, he's straight on the watch list, I think. Yeah. Okay, uh, the next one I want you to break down, Todd Goldstein and Sherry. Um, sort of about 50-50... Um, was what we were predicting in the, uh, the 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 preseason, maybe a little bit more on Sherry side of things. Um, Thirteen centre bounces to Sherry and ten to Goldstein sort of indicates that he has, I guess, not necessarily grabbed R one with both hands, but he certainly kind of favoured at least on uh, slightly um, better than equal footing with Goldstein in terms of being their number one ruck. Honestly, I think non Sherry owners like myself got out of trouble in this game because Sherry, look, Cherry, Cherry, he, he's taken the words out of my mouth. He looked very good and I think he can get a very big score and I was worried it would be when Max Lynch went down, but he didn't quite capitalize. I think just because there was too much tall timber in that North Melbourne forward line, CCJ will be dropped from that side. Um, Goldstein was really dangerous up forward. I imagine, uh, Cherry will get even more ruck time moving forward. And he looks like someone I might need to bring in. The only problem is I don't really know how I would do that. And I don't have enough mid that forward slots to actually do that. So I'm not really sure what I'm going to do. It's going to be interesting. Um, we'll have to see next week what trades I come up with. But he looked really good. Um, and I think he didn't play very well. And scored seventy nine points, and I think he can be a super coach weapon. Yeah, uh, Jason Horde Francis uh, definitely passed the eye test. Loved his yeah. uh, snap over the shoulder goal. Um, I think the the difference between um, similarly priced Nick Dacos is that Horn Francis is going to get thirteen to fifteen touches a game and, and probably kick a goal. So um, I certainly see seventy five as. Um, I, I guess his his standard game is probably going to be between seventy to seventy five. I guess you'd say pistol uh, as he works in, yeah. into the season. He, he, I I think that's just important to know and um, not get too ahead of ourselves. Uh, and the one that was a little bit disappointing to me uh, was Taron Thomas. We mentioned in the preseason there was a lot of guys around that same price with uh, Heaney, Degoe, and Butters, and and Taron Thomas was in that mix as well. Um, he he didn't quite get the centre bounce attendances that I thought he. would would um uh, he is sort of uh the their um uh, kind of 
their fourth, I guess you would say, uh, in terms of that. So um, about the mark that uh, we predicted for him, but um, just didn't have the game that that went his way. Yeah, I just think he had a bad game. 39% CBAs. I mean, Simpkin had 100%, which is absurd. But um, look, let's chalk it up to a bad game. Let's see how he goes. If he keeps getting in the 30%, probably not interested in him as a selection. He'd really need to get in those 50% for me to, I guess, be more interested to him. But... I, I could pick up Taron at sub 400k. Don't don't get me wrong. I'm 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 still interested at the right price, but it's just uh yeah, it's it's not it's not right now. Yeah. Are we sleeping on Zebel a little bit? He was uh one of the best defenders last year and he's just <laughs> popped out another 115 going under the radar. He didn't have he wasn't in like a cheap ball role that he had last season. I think Luke McDonald yeah. impacts Zebel much more than Hall um gets impacted by McDonald. So yeah, I, I'd stay just the answer I was Jay-Z. looking for. I was trying to trying to see if you were keeping up and watching the game. No, it was. Uh, I was loving it as a hall owner. I was just. <laughs> it's, it's like the best thing. It's the best thing ever watching him play. He's always on the screen because they just always pass it to him. All right, we'll jump into the next game: Adelaide and Fremantle. And this was uh, certainly went back and forward as the uh, uh, the game went on. Uh, Rochelle five goals one. Uh, probably you know the best first game you can play and not get uh, the the nab rising star pistol. He uh, started a little bit slow, but once he started uh, kicking a few goals, um, he certainly helped bring Adelaide back into the game. He's kicked all his goals and nearly won the match in like the second half. I mean, yeah, it's funny because we after his first two games in the preseason where he kicked three in each against good opponents, mind you, we were like, well. He scored 85 and 86, but for him to be able to score well, if he has to kick three goals a game, that's going to be tough. He's come out round one, put five, and scored 118. I mean, he's clearly special. Um, he's going he's gonna to kick a lot of goals in his career. He will have games where he scores you know, 40 points, but if he's got these 118s in him, he will make the 150K. It's just a matter of getting the timing of those price rises um, and you know, selling him at the right time, a bit like Roe last season. Some of some yep. people, including myself, sold Roe. I think at like two twenty. Um, we thought he stagnated, and then he put out a massive game and got all the way back up close. I think to three hundred off the top of my head. So, all about the timing with these sorts of small forwards. And um, yeah, look, I'm I'm not super fearful of playing him on my field against weaker opponents like uh, this week against the Pies. I think um, he could also kick <laughs> kick another back. Mm. Um, another rookie from the Crows that we talk about is Mitch Hinge. Um, I thought he was good. I, I, I thought I thought he was slightly better than the the fifty you probably got. He was big and strong, um, sort of around the contest. There was there was quite a few times where I saw him floating back into defence to to sort of help the Crows out when they were under siege by the Dockers, um, sort of in the second quarter there a little bit. Um, he uh, yeah, like I, I certainly think that he passed the um, uh, the the eye test for me. Copped a, a, a knock and I was aw- in a contest and I thought it was his uh, his shoulder pistol at one point and I kind of had my heart in my mouth <laughs> being like oh no it's not the AC um, but yeah I thought I thought it was good I think it would get better as the season goes on um, and he tended to to make good decisions as well which I think um, was important um, uh, sort of watching as well because um, there were certain times where the Crows really looked like they were going to get blown out of the water by the Dockers, um, particularly sort of in that second quarter, as I mentioned, where um, a couple of decisions in there and 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 a cool head uh, sort of helped him out. So I was happy with that. Um, Jordan Dawson, Pistol, uh, did put up a 98. I, I wouldn't say that I was thrilled with 
um, his role during the course of the game. It seemed like they used him in a few different um, uh, positions as sort of the, the game went out. He was a little bit um, starting forward of a contest and then he went back and was taking kick-ins and then went back in um, and you know, it was around the ball a bit more. I just got a little bit confused what their game plan was with him at certain points. I think they started him midfield wing. He was real bad. Then they threw him back behind the ball in the second half and he scored like 70 super coach points in that half. He was really good down back. I think that's good for Hinge as well, who can then play more on the wing. Um, I think they just got to play him down back. He basically got Adelaide... Well, didn't get them over the line, but almost got them over the line single-handedly just by how deadly he was off that half-back. So uh, for me, you know, I guess I'm not the coach, but I'd be playing him in the position that nearly won the Crows of the game. So um, I'm thinking that's kind of where he fits in. And um, yeah, unfortunately, I think uh, Jake Saligo probably didn't do enough five possessions, 29 super coach points. I don't know if he did enough to, to keep his spot on the side, um, but we'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, and Shoal had an absolutely crazy good game when he's um, he came on as the sub. So he dominated. Um, yeah, uh, strange that um, that Shoal was the sub to begin with, anyway. But that, that that's another story. Uh, on the Docker side of things, Pistol, we did. Uh, I'll start with Will Brody. Um, a lot of people were worried with his performance. He was only seventy six. I thought he was fine. Like I, I, I actually thought he was actually quite good as a as centre mounts midfielder. He had all the normal Will Brody traits that we're used to. Um, uh, very limited spread, but is helping getting the ball, um, was in and under. Pretty much every possession he got was a contested one. Um, it, the the thing that uh, has always hurt Will Brody is that he only spends a limited time on the ground, and that's going to cap his ceiling. Um, but I, I thought it was great. I thought uh, in terms of a, a centre-bounce midfielder, it was the role that we wanted from him. Yeah, look, okay, first quarter, really good second and third quarter. And then, unfortunately, game is on the line. He's on like 75 at three-quarter time. Game is on the line, last quarter. And what happens? He's on the bench for 20 minutes. I mean, look, it wasn't all by design. That was clearly the play was on the other side of the field and they couldn't sub on when they wanted to sub on. I think they put him to the bench to give him a good break because he was clearly gassed. But I thought, you know, they're going to play him for the last five, six minutes and he'll run it out. And the ball just wasn't on that side and he couldn't get on the field. And unfortunately, that's a super coach point killer. He stayed on 76 super coach points, barely scored in the last quarter. He had a 100 game in him here. Um, Longmuir was very, very happy with his performance. He said after the game that, you know, he's in the team. I think he said he's going to be in the team for, what did he say? He's like, he's, Brody's going to be in for a good long while or like he'll be in the team. Yeah, for a good yeah long I think while. that's, yeah, that's right. Something like that. The CBA breakdown was interesting. Brayshaw had 88%, Mundy had 81%, Sarong 65%, and Brody 65%. They didn't go in with like a whole bunch of players, they kept it tight. Um, I think Fife just adds into the rotation. They all get a little bit less because of it. I think Mundy might get even less, but I don't think Will Brody's really going to get pushed super far outside of that just because he doesn't have another position to play. Coach was <laughs> yeah. happy with him. What's he going to do? Yeah, I mean, he can't really do anything else. So I'm not a very concerned Brody owner. I think I want to watch him with Fife, see how he goes. I think that's always the plan. But I do have confidence in him. I think he looks pretty good. So yeah, there was no... Yeah. There's no worries for me, Cheezo. But I did really like Brayshaw's game. I mean, if Fife starts taking the tag over Brayshaw because Brayshaw was so easily taggable last season, um, 
Brayshaw is the type of guy you know that that could go 115 plus and join the big boys. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think this is the year that he probably does do that. I, I think it's more likely than unlikely that he, he doesn't. You know, Huge. he has a bit of a breakout. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are there are two more that I do want you to talk to me about. Both defenders, Luke Ryan and Heath Chapman, mate. Um, I know you were a big uh, big Chappie fan in the preseason. He scored 80. Yeah, I've got to be honest, I didn't see the chip-chip as much as what was probably telegraphed in the preseason. Uh, I don't know whether that was just because they were on top so early in the game and they were going, you know, straight down the line and through the guts and just, you know, it was very go, 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 trying to put pressure um, up forward. Um, what did you make of, of Chapman's game? I know you would have been watching him pretty close. <laughs> well, firstly, that spoil to win the game by Chapman gains him like 20-plus super coach points. Uh, he was on track for an absolute stinker. Um, didn't think he played particularly well. I mean, everything he did was fine, but he just didn't get enough of the ball. Um, Fremantle as a whole only had 313 disposals, which is not super high. Only 73 marks below average. Um, they didn't control the game. I wasn't really impressed with Chapman. I'd say he probably failed the eye test um, in terms of super coach, as in terms of AFL player. He was still a gun. Um Obviously, nearly won. Well, did win them the game, but I think we're going to have to watch him closely next week to see if he has to require a correctional trade. I think um, playing at home next week with an easier opponent in Saints, I think, is a perfect example. Perfect example uh, to see what we want from Chapman. If he puts out a sixty, seventy score, um, might be might be someone that doesn't last very long on my side. Yeah, and uh, Luke Ryan was still taking kickouts. Um, he, I, I, I want to say that he sort of had the same um, sort of game like um, Jaden Short, where he got a few points from doing kick-ins and things like that. But he just he wasn't in the right spots at the right time to to capitalise. And as I mentioned, I didn't quite see the the chip chip as what I thought I was going to see from from Freya. You sort of a, agree it yeah, was a bit of a, yeah. a, an aberration in terms of Luke Ryan. Cool, cool, no, cool. Yeah, uh, it's just a bad game. Let's see how he goes next week. Yeah. All right, mate. That's everything on Ooh, the penultimate game. Let's jump into the Eagles and the Gold Coast Suns. Uh, straight off the bat, Matty Rowell, he's going to win a Brownlow if he <laughs> plays 11 games this year. He's so good, Chizo. Uh, oh, my God. I can't believe how good he is. Like he, he had one mark, which we kept saying in the preseason. I'm like, oh, that's weird. He got zero marks last week in the unofficial one and then zero marks in the official one. I'm like, how is he going to score super coach points if he doesn't have any uncontested game whatsoever? Well, I guess this is how. He has 22 contested possessions, 157 super coach points. My God, like, you can't stop that. that that's just super coach points to the bank. He didn't even have an outside game to yeah. shut down. It was, he had three guys hanging off him half the time and him flicking the handball out. Um, Chizo, it's hard to temper expectations, but there's a, there's a very real world where, where Rao plays 22 games and ends up as our M8s. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I I reckon there's there's absolute potential for people that didn't want to start him like myself, <laughs> uh, out of fear that he was a mid price, and then end up upgrading to him at five hundred and sixty k. I hope you get on sooner than that. But he 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 could. <laughs> let's see how he goes next week, Chizo. 
he could very well be that guy that forces your hand to make an early correctional trade. Um, yeah, I can see that coming as a you know putting him into the must-have basket, which is pretty rare for like round two or round three for at his weird price. But um, if he pumps out another big score, you, you've got to consider it. Yeah. Um, speaking of things that we predicted in the preseason, Took Miller just having Took Miller games, thirty uh, odd touches, five tackles, a goal, eighteen contested possessions. Uh, he's just a bona fide now, Pistol. He was he he was a freak. He was getting like there was some minor tag going on by Xavier O'Neill. It's going to in stoppages, and Took Miller just works hard, and he just he's almost unstoppable. I think he could yeah. be because Gold Coast played late you know, pretty much every round. He's almost a perma C. I, I don't know if he's ever going to score badly again. I mean, the whole preseason, I kept saying he's going to be the number one scorer in the in Supercoaches here. And this game didn't stop me from thinking that. He's just unbelievable. I mean, this is now a, two preseason games. He got a 140, was it 141 and 149? And now he's got a 137. Like, he's on absolute fire. Um, absolutely love him. Um, I'm stoked to have him on my side, stoked that I've got him, stoked that I've captained him. I'm going to keep captaining him, and uh, yep. yeah, he's the best. <laughs> uh, all right, we'll jump over to the, the Eagles side of things. We've got two rookies that we do need to talk about, Brady Hoff and Hugh Dixon. Um, sort of performing about their, their mark, I thought Hugh Dixon um, performed uh, basically the, the the role that I think he's going to have um, have at the Eagles, um, uh, mostly just kind of playing forward there. Pistol, he kicked a goal, which is good. Um, I don't really see a ceiling too much higher than his, his 40 is the only problem. I don't see him doing a Jack Hayes sort of situation. Look, I'm worried anyway because Darling's meant to come back next week. So we'll see if he yeah. remains on the side. You'd hope he'd stay in ahead of BJ Williams just because he outplayed him. Um, I thought yeah. I thought Dixon was quite good. Um It'd be bad if he got dropped after that performance because uh, you know I thought he could have got a couple of frees in front of goal if things had gone a little bit differently. Um, definitely, there was no, I'd say, pass the eye test for what we wanted. Um, so no concerns there. I think uh, Brady Hoff was serviceable, but he's I, I it really doesn't look like they want to play him now like it was a bit too early he needs more time i mean great experience for him and he's going to be a decent player but mm. i don't i don't know if he's making it to three games chizo i know i've was it tim kelly liam ryan jack darling to come back with it in from a res- suspension that's four guys that are coming into the side he's yeah. probably in the bottom four in the team yeah so i think i think yeah. he's out yeah it's <laughs> sad to hear after a, a lot of people were tossing up between him and Owens for their one of their midfield spots and it looks like both of them are going to struggle. Yeah, it's a, it's <laughs> so no it was an inconsequential there. decision. And Saligo, <laughs> they all might be dropped, all three of them. And the answer was me. Yeah, it's a lose-lose-lose situation. Yeah, something like and, that. Yeah. And Mead might get uh, might actually be the the good one. Uh, I'm pretty sure that there's not a whole lot of relevance. Um, Just one more remaining. Uh, Paddy Nash? No, let's let's jump into no. the, the smoky of the podcast. Okay. <laughs> Luke Foley, um, 244K. Ah, you did mention, you did mention. Yeah, look, 
I'm not super interested, but we'll see what happens with with. Oh, it don't in... play it down. You've brought him up. You've you've just said how you brought him up in the preseason. No, I didn't and... bring up in preseason. <laughs> completely surprised. With it and comes back. We'll see if that has an impact on him um, at all. But he had a good role. He had um, 24 touches, eight marks, um, seven clangers, which is not great. But he played 95% time on ground, which is good. Scored 99 super coach points. 244k again could be a bailout option for a Bowie or a Chapman or uh, Ed Richards if they all go badly or something like that and he does well with all these other guys in the side um think he holds his spot I think that's for sure but um we'll be interested to see if he can score you know again would not be surprised if he doesn't score more than 65 for the rest of the season so definitely a wait and see on that one would not be jumping early yeah two um 45k as well but that's yeah, good. Uh, a little bit elevated. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I'm, look, I'm, I'm just giving the numbers, Pistol. Come on, mate. Come on, mate. Just a, a full perspective on everything. That's fine. Um, I think I said it three times, pretty, but it's okay. Mate, mate, mate. It's all right. It's It's been nearly two hours. Oh, I, I think I... I I think we're sort of little. We're getting delirious, mate. We we might as well go through some VC and C options, and uh, keep trucking along. I think. All right. Look. Look, Chizo. Do we have a Thursday game this week? Uh, yes, we do. Ah, uh, yeah. No, we do have. Chizo, I'm only going to say a couple options because I don't yeah. think any deserve much more than that. Yeah. Um, I I probably stay Meh. away from Gorn against Meh. Wits, so I'm going to rule that one right off. I think straight off the bat you can Meh. go with a McRae or a Dunkley against yes. Salton. I think VC yep. is pretty pretty confident in that one. Um, yeah. The big one here is Neil's record against the Dons. His last three of huge 157, 157, 140 in his last three. Yep. I think that feels like a pretty decent decent move. Um, Honestly, I might just go with keep Took Miller though against Melbourne. Obviously, not an ideal matchup, but Took Miller is unstoppable. He's completely unstoppable, and he's a super coach gun. So I might just do it anyway. <laughs> Are you potentially looking at a Neil into into Took perhaps? I was thinking McRae into Took, but now you've got me thinking maybe I will do that. That doesn't sound too bad to me. Um, also, for the the punters out there, Aaron Hall. <laughs> Yes, Aaron. Yeah, against the Eagles. Against the Eagles at Marvel. Um, could be racking that up. So Gives you the opportunity to uh, VC Took as well if we lose someone like uh, Dixon or Hoff in the... Or Owens. In the t- or, or Owens, exactly. Uh, but they both play on... Um, uh, all three play on, on Sunday. So if you do have Took, someone like that, and want to go into Aaron Hall Oh, my God. Took into Aaron Hall. Name a more pistol combination. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, uh, let's say Josh Kelly into Tom Rockliffe. <laughs> oh, yeah, good times. I <laughs> <laughs> just know you inside out. Um, yeah, I think I tend to agree. That, that that pretty much sums that one up. Yeah, I don't think there's any more there. I mean, Grundy, it's hard to, it's hard to know when Grundy's going to pop off. I mean, he's probably a good VC option, but um, mm. my, my confidence in him has strained a little bit, I think, just by you know the past second half of last season and his first game back he was like i think i would say for three quarters beaten by marshall so yeah yeah don't feel like super great no no issues with steel even after round one i think he had a slow uh start to the year last year as well and came home like a train so yeah i think he's also he averages more with marshall in the side um sorry with 
with uh, Ryder in the ruck. So I don't know if I would be super keen on Steele. I think you could do a Petrarca again or an Oliver. I think they're going to score really well against Gold Coast as well. Um, yeah, I don't want to say the magic words that it's hard to go wrong, but there's some good options. <laughs> there's some yeah. good options, that's for sure. <laughs> All right, Pistol. That's been a fantastic wrap up to round one mate it's been uh, an exhausting affair trying to consume all of uh, round one but it's been exciting to watch the footy be back no it's been really exciting i'm um, looking forward to yeah the rest of the big season and uh if you you want to catch some extra content i'll be uh penning an article uh, for code later this week so you can catch that on uh, the code sports app or online um otherwise chizo if you want to complain about things of the podcast maybe how long it is or how uh, slow we've been talking because it's been very yep. late at night. Um, mm-hmm. You can contact Chizo at Chizo with the Z underscore DRSC on Twitter. Myself at Pistol underscore DRSC. JB, which is JB underscore COVID19. Uh, and uh, you can find <laughs> our main page at Dr underscore SC. All right, guys. Thank you so much for supporting us. Uh, we'll see you in the next episode. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.